Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fans, welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. Dan Canobio, your host for the next 48 minutes of boxing talk, and joining us here on the program this week, David Benavidez and Dan Rayfield. Of course, we're on the heels of Canelo Alvarez's historic win, another knockout, another belt. He defeats Caleb Plant in 11 rounds. He is now the first ever undisputed. Super middleweight champion, also the first Mexican fighter to be undisputed in any weight class. So we'll hear from David Benavidez, who I think is the uh, growing consensus among fans uh, as who we want to see next fight Canelo. And I think that Benavidez is saying all the right things. Uh, He's welcoming that shot, but he's not just going to sit around and wait uh, for it to come. He's even willing to fight a Jamal Charlo in order to deserve, in order to earn a shot at Canelo. So that was refreshing from Benavidez. We're also going to hear from Dan Raphael. We will build a case for and against the five opponents out there that I think that Canelo will choose from, whether it's Benavidez, whether it's Charlo, whether it's Triple G, uh, Betterbiev, and Bival. That's at 175 pounds. So it was a great uh, f- last fight week. Thank you to everyone who consumed all the content that I put out, whether it was the post-fight uh, podcast, whether it was the fastest two minutes in boxing, which was our most viewed ever. Uh, it was a whirlwind week, but the boxing beat goes on. There was no off-season in this. We got Jaime Munguia and Gabe Rosado this week. We got David Benavidez, as I said, headlining uh, over on Showtime, and then we're right in the heart of it, right in the heart of this November to remember next weekend, Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter. But let's get to Dan Rayfield on the other side. You'll hear from David Benavides. Dan Rayfield is here. Fight Freaks Unite newsletter, World Boxing News, Ring Magazine, Jack of All Trades writing on the sweet science, and he's back from Vegas. He's in the Commonwealth. He's returned home after a Canelo fight week that I'm exhausted from. I had a major adrenaline dump Sunday and, and yesterday, uh, and, but I'm ready to go. I'm ready to continue to talk about Canelo, preview some uh, fights coming up this weekend. We'll get into it all. Dan, the experience in Vegas. I'm jealous I wasn't there. How was it? It was terrific. I mean, it was uh, it was as good of a fight week as I've had. And, you know, it, you know, it's it's. It's special when he fights and people were very excited. It was great to have crowds back. Um, I have been to a few fights in Las Vegas since the pandemic has started. It was the first one where they allowed uh, fans at the weigh-in. So we were back to special weigh-ins where uh, they don't open up the entire arena like they've done for some of the biggest fights, but they had about almost 5,000 people in the MGM Grand Garden Arena for the weigh-in. So that was a beautiful thing to have all those fans there once again, uh, which was a lot different. I mean, the Tyson Fury... Deontay Wilder three obviously was a big fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what was seemingly now the final fight in the career of Manny Pacquiao when he fought or Dennis Ugas, another fight that I was at in Las Vegas. Again, no fans at the weigh-in for that fight or for the heavyweight fight. Um, so to have the fans back in that atmosphere was terrific. Uh, so that that brings a lot of, of excitement and energy uh, to the fight week. And, and uh, it just wouldn't have been the same if they weren't there, particularly given, you know, the pre-fight sort of uh, 
uh, animosity between Plant and Canelo. The crowd was certainly egging Caleb Plant on, yep. you know, when they were booing him and doing all those kinds of things. So it was really, you know, the whole fight week was terrific. And, and I also looked at it like this. You know, a long time ago, I was told by uh, one of my mentors, uh, you may know him from when you were a kid, the great Michael Katz, oh, long-time boxing writer from the New York Times and, and later the Daily News. And then not uh, to be Barry confused Katz. with Ron Katz. Not to be confused with Ron <laughs> Katz. Uh, Ron Katz, a better matchmaker. Michael Katz, better writer. I would agree. Anyway, when I was a young reporter, one of my first couple of fights in Atlantic City when I was writing for USA Today, uh, Michael sort of took me under his wing a little bit. He's like, come on, kid, I'm going to take you to lunch. I'm going to teach you how to do this job. And one of the things he told me at that lunch, I always remember this, it's been like 20, 21 years since then, is that he said there's great fights and there's great writing fights. And you hope when it's over, you've had both. Uh, but in the case of Canelo Alvarez against Caleb Plant, no doubt about it was a great writing fight. It turned out to be maybe not a great fight, but a very good fight. But from a writing point of view, there were so many things mm -hmm. to write about, so much material uh, in the main event for both sides, um, you know, some some decent things on the undercard to write about. So from that perspective, the fight week was excellent because there was so much material to, to work with that it was it just made it uh, that much better than in your average big fight. That's perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about, too, is that I was thinking about it, you know, a couple of days removed from the fight. Canelo is really giving fight fans everything they can possibly want and need. I know sometimes the praise is over the top, but if you take a look at the, 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 the check marks that he's on a list of if you're a fight fan, you want, you know, he's giving you trash talk. He is giving you historic fights. He's making history. Fans want to see that. And on top of it, He's knocking guys out. Floyd was undoubtedly the last superstar in boxing. He's now retired. And his fights were also big events. But let's be honest, there were times when, when some fight fans felt buyer's remorse. There were times when, just because Floyd is so damn good, uh, you know, at the end of his fight, it's like, oh, man, I just watched him, you know, box the ears off of another guy for, for 80 bucks. You know, Canelo is also boxing very well. And he's also putting exclamation points on the end of these fights with knockouts. So from top to bottom, what more can you ask for? He's giving you, even at, at press conference, he's, he's, he's giving you fisticuffs there uh, with this. He's trash talking. He's, you know, the biggest box office guy, biggest pay-per-view guy, and he is winning fights uh, in emphatic fashion with, a, with another knockout. So, I mean, he, he's literally even the hardest, you know, the most ardent hater of, of Canelo. I mean, it's, it's you really can't really find too many things to criticize him for. Absolutely not. And the fact of the matter is um, the, the fact that he's now speaking in English more frequently, both in terms of his interviews, as well as when he does things at post-fight press conferences, pre-fight press conferences and various uh, capacities, you know, also uh, speaking in Spanish also, uh, it makes him that much more accessible. Uh, you know, my own in uh, interactions with Canelo, you know, when we've spoken privately, uh, not necessarily in an interview fashion, he would speak, he has for a number of years spoken to me in English at least a little bit, um, not necessary for an interview. Mm -hmm. So um, one time when he tried to speak to me in English in an interview, uh, this goes back a few years ago when he originally signed that big mega contract with DAZN, they finalized the paperwork. It was like two, three o'clock in the morning. And I was on the phone with him writing a story at the time I was working for ESPN and writing about that. And he did most of that interview in English. But when they put him on the phone with me, I actually didn't even realize it was him at first because he was speaking <laughs> in English. That's funny. But now... Uh, the interview that I did with him, I had him on a Zoom call about maybe 10 days before the fight, a one-on-one. -on -one. It was the first time, and I've interviewed Canelo countless times. I've covered his entire career in terms of since he's fought in the United States. 
And it was the first time that he conducted an interview with me virtually entirely in English. There was maybe That's one fair. question where he got maybe a slightly um, tripped up and wasn't sure what how to answer it and, and sought a little help from the, the his publicist uh, who does a great job, Jane. Yeah, Jane, um, she's awesome. She does a great she job. Did, she, she does do a great job. And so she translated the one uh, response. But other than that, our interview was entirely in English. When he spoke to us in a small scrum after the final news conference on Wednesday, he did it in English. He also is able to, you know, obviously move very smoothly into Spanish if there was a uh, some Spanish language reporters there that were also asking him some questions. So the fact that he can do that and, mm -hmm. like you said, deliver us exciting fights, good knockouts, taking on other champions, the best opposition out there. He put himself in a position with his the way he handles his business where he is free to go make whatever fights he can uh, envision himself wanting to have because of the fact that he's doing these short-term deals. He does a one-fight deal with Hearn for the Callum Smith fight. He comes back, he does a two-fight deal with Hearn, turns out to be the mandatory, followed by um, Billy Joe Saunders, does a one-fight deal to get the undisputed fight against Caleb Plant. Now he's a free agent, both promotionally as well as his television rights, once again. And so now it's up to him and his team to decide what they want. He said at the post-fight press conference, because it was four fights in 11 months, which is unheard of at this level uh, in this day and age, that he's gonna take a little bit of time off. He'll be back in May. Mm -hmm. So probably sometime in January, he said he and his team will sit down and start to formulate what they want to do. Right now, he's going to go on vacation. He told me he's going to take his wife to Paris. Um, <laughs> but when he when he gets time to sit down and really figure out what he wants to do, he doesn't have to limit himself to this promotion company, that television network. He can seek out whatever he wants, whether it's to stay with PBC and and Showtime. Um, I guess Fox would be a possibility if they if that was something that was interesting to him. If they were interested in having him on there platform certainly he could try to talk to the folks at the zone and eddie hernigan who was there at the fight who still would love to work with canelo and you know even in the pre-fight he brought up top rank to me he has a good relationship as does eddie reynoso with bob yeah. Arum and the team over there they allowed him all week to use the top rank gym in las vegas which they were very appreciative <laughs> appreciative of and of course they did well of course but they've got horses to offer him also they have of course uh, in the light heavyweight division if he decides to do that they are the promoter of Arthur Better Biev, they have been involved for the last several fights as a co-promoter of Joe Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Eddie Hearn has has Dimitri Bivol, who has uh, the WBA title at light heavyweight. And of course, that the PBC uh, group of guys that he could stick with, they off they could possibly offer him David Benavides, a former yep. two-time champion in that weight class who fights that area. And we're going to talk about that fight. And they also have uh, Charlo, who was dying to go up for middleweight to super middleweight for that caliber of a fight. And, you know, and again, they've got Anthony Durrell, who looked very spectacular with his knockout on the undercard. Point is, he can fight whoever he wants, and he doesn't have to worry what, what, what uh, side of the street they're on. But one other item, too, you brought up the fighting till May. Uh, one thing that came out today is from the Las Vegas or the Nevada Commission, a orbital bone fracture of Caleb Plan. Have you heard anything about that? There was a picture going around well, that eye looks uh, a lot like Billy Joe's eye. It doesn't surprise me because I could see the swelling and the puffiness afterwards. Uh, you know, after the knockout, they did send him to the hospital to get examined. I had not heard uh, in the immediate aftermath of that, if that was uh, the situation. It doesn't surprise me, though. Uh, I thought, you know, Caleb fought a good fight, showed a lot of heart. Uh, but that was a very harsh knockout. Uh, so I can't say I'm surprised by that diagnosis. I, it doesn't, again, I, I didn't see the x-rays or whatever, but just on the eye test, no pun intended. Uh, it didn't look as bad as the way Billy's, Billy Joe's, uh, uh, yeah, you know, that, was, that area of his face looked like. I think Saunders um, listen, was like catastrophic. 
Uh, yeah, that was bad. I just hope that, you know, if it is, if it is fractured, uh, that it's not serious and that Caleb will take the requisite time off, get it healed up and, uh, and get back in the gym. It's not like it's a career ending kind of injury. Right. Um, Caleb plan has absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. He turned in a tremendous performance. He won some rounds, um, showed a lot of heart, um, proved that he at the very least belongs in that caliber of a fight. Uh, you know, and it's like I said to you and others ahead of this fight, Dan, and it's that picking Canelo to win the fight was not in any way a knock on Caleb Plant. The same way it was no knock on Billy Joe Saunders or Callum Smith. It's just that those three guys and others in the weight class are at a certain level. And they're all good world-class fighters. They've had titles and, and they're, they're very good at what they do. But Canelo Alvarez is, is a historical figure in this sport. And it's time that people start to understand that. He is here and those guys are here. It's just that he's just a better fighter yeah, than that. He's been taking care of business in spectacular fashion against all kinds of variety of opponents, different mm -hmm. styles, and obviously over the years in different weights. He's an all-time great fighter. People just, and I've said this before, people sometimes they lose sight of that. They don't get it while it's happening. I'm telling you, get used to it while it's happening. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, don't realize it, you know, five years from now, like, oh my goodness, he was in his prime. This is it right now, folks. We're in it. We're in, in it right now. Right now. Yeah. This is him at his best. Yeah, let's go through it, Dan. Let's go through because we want to know what's next. We want to. It's gotten to the point where it's almost like when Mayweather was untouchable. It's like who out there can solve this riddle? Who can dethrone Mayweather? And ultimately, no one uh, was able to. Uh, obviously, Canelo has the a few blemishes on the career, two uh, draws and and one loss to Mayweather that fans love to bring up on Twitter every time that Canelo you know, fights. Hold time out for a second. Time out. When did you have to be undefeated? And boxers lose fights yep. the greatest fighters of all time lost fights i don't care if you're talking about ray robinson or muhammad ali or or anybody out there sugar ray leonard pick a guy Even uh, oscar. Not Mayweather. Pacquiao. oscar Pacquiao. i mean other than floyd he's a great fighter he did not lose a fight fair enough you know rocky marciano didn't lose a fight but i mean the point is 99 of every single guy in the boxing hall of fame has lost a couple of fights it's not a career ender and it's not a big deal who cares? I know. And Canelo hopefully. lost the fight to Floyd Mayweather, who was the all-time great. He he went the route, lost the decision, and he has a draw from you know way earlier in his career when he was like probably oh, and, what and, 17, 18 years old. Right. And Golovkin. And go and Golovkin, of course. But Golovkin again is another all-time great Hall of Fame, <laughs> you know, future Hall well, of Fame guy. We might be you know? seeing uh, a, a third one. I want to talk to you about the options. What's next? For Canelo, let's play a little game where we make a case for and we make a case against some of the options that are out there right now. We'll start with David Benavidez. He's on this episode as well, uh, interviewed him, and he it was actually refreshing some of the things he was saying. He was saying, listen, I'm 24 years old. If Canelo doesn't want to choose me, I'm going to be around for a, a number of years, and I have no problem fighting or welcoming Jamal Charlo uh, to 168, and we have to maybe earn the right to fight a novel concept, earning the right, generating more public interest, getting better as a fighter to take on Canelo and not just showing up uh, for a paycheck. But if you take a look at Benavidez, uh, this guy throws the most punches per round, lands the most punches per round, uh, throws the most jabs per round, lands the most power shots, and his defense is getting better. To me, under the PBC banner at 168 pounds, former two-time world champion, a guy that is very marketable, has a big fan base uh, as a Mexican-American fighter. I, this is a no-brainer for me. I think Benavidez is the guy that should be next. I agree with that. I, I, I appreciate uh, David's uh, point of view that why shouldn't he fight Charlo to earn it? But and, and that's a great concept, obviously. 
Um, I do live in the real world and I understand they're not going to sacrifice uh, one of those guys as a potential Canelo opponent while they're undefeated, mm-hmm. that they're probably going to have, you know, if they do stay working with Canelo, they would probably go and do either Benavides next or Charlo next. And then after that, the other guy. Um, so they're not going to have them fight each other because that would leave Canelo without a PBC top tier opponent. And meanwhile, the, the, you know, they'd be bumping each other off. So I agree. If you, if I can wave the magic wand and have my choice, uh, uh, I would hope to see everybody in Las Vegas on Cinco de Mayo for uh, the great Mexican Canelo Alvarez against the very exciting, young, undefeated Mexican-American David Benavides, who, of course, has to first win his fight on Saturday against Kyron Davis, which he is obviously a significant favorite, and I think he will win that fight. Um, so I think that that would be the best of the, of the possibilities if he's deciding to stick with PBC. Um, if they decide to go the Charlo route next in May, no problem there either. Let Charlo come up to 168, which I know he's willing and interested to do. Um, he's also an undefeated fighter, a world champion. Um, he'll talk a lot of smack also. Um, that's a very good matchup. It's not like he's, uh, you know, the middleweights coming up are not like they're not much smaller than Canelo. Canelo Alvarez spent, you know, probably at this point, the most of his career uh, or some of his biggest fights in his career have been in the middleweight division. So that's not a big deal. Um, but those are the two guys. I mean, and, and frankly, I'd like to see Benavides next. If you told me it's Charlo, then Benavides, or it's Benavides, Charlo. Either way is fine with me. You know, as long what as reminds the me of, Dan? you know what it reminds me of when Pacquiao went to the PBC and obviously it's like, let's see him fight Spence. Let's see him fight Thurman. Let's see him fight. Uh, give me another name from the PBC. Let's see him. Broner, fight. Right, Broner was the guy. It wasn't the fight we necessarily wanted to see or thought it was going to be the most competitive, but it was the most marketable. And it's like, all right, let's, let's keep Canelo in our realm. Let's keep Pacquiao in happy inside of this PBC uh, family obviously Pacquiao had more of a, a a solid deal with PBC maybe a three fight deal but I wouldn't be shocked also if it was Charlo first and let's talk about Charlo a little bit and I have a case against Charlo not as a strong of a case I had for Benavidez take a look at it you brought up his size yes he is uh you know Canelo's only five nine Charlo six foot at least listed on Boxrec one fight in his last 13 months one knockout in his last six fights and it came over Dennis Hogan, who was coming up from 154. Zero fights at 168. Coming off of his best performance against Derevchenko, I thought by far he looked great mixing in power, boxing, defense. By far his best performance. Followed it up with arguably his worst performance, considering the stakes of the fight with Montiel in June. I understand that meritocracy doesn't exactly exist in boxing, but that is Bingo. the case. That is the case that I can make against Charlo. And the case for it is the marketability. He's one of the faces of PBC. Majority of fight fans know who the guy is. They can make the fight. If they, you know, he's got to, if they want to veer away from Vegas, which I don't think they would, you can make that fight in the Houston or Texas area and it would be a bonanza. So that's my case for and against. You, I'm sure, or do you agree? Well, I think that number one, I think they'll probably stick in Vegas just for the mere fact that they can probably bring in more, uh, ticket money unless they decided to go to like you know maybe go back to cowboy stadium but even there it's tough uh to get to the to the financial level that they can get for a big vegas fight i believe the fight at the mgm grand garden arena that was this past saturday between canelo and plant um you know the gate figures are not done yet but from what everybody that was involved at pbc and showtime was saying to me the gate was probably going to be in that 15 16 17 million dollar neighborhood you just can't get that much out of the big stadium fight, even though like for Billy Joe Saunders, they had like 74,000 people there, but the dollar figure was much less. So, you know, if they're looking to maximize the money from that standpoint, they probably stick in Vegas. Um, Charlo, 
is interesting. I agree with all the things you said. Here's the difference. Charlotte will play the villain and yeah. he'll love playing the villain. Yeah. And you can't underestimate that element of the storyline, which is, you know, the clear good guy slash bad guy. Not that Charlotte's a bad guy, but that he has no problem playing that role to the hilt. Benavides is hard to like, I don't see him as a bad guy. It's almost oh, like, you know, such a good, it's, it's he's the, a lovable guy and he says all the right things, Benavides. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's like, if you're, if you're familiar, if you watch wrestling, it's the baby face versus the baby face, you know, yeah. but you need the, you need the but baby I mean, face. Damn good the fight though. Oh, it's a hell of a fight. I mean, yeah. obviously I think both fights for different reasons are entertaining for fans. Uh, I have no problem. Look, you, it, when we talk about, I think you would agree with this. When we talk about the, 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 the against version of why you shouldn't happen or why you're for this fight to happen, mm-hmm. you know, making those cases, we're really kind of splitting hairs. I think anybody would be happy with him fighting either of those guys, yeah. particularly when, you know, if he fights one, there's a very good chance that if he's successful, he winds up fighting the other guy at some point too. Well, let's get um, to a fight, cool. Dan. Let's get to a fight that kind of has a very short shelf life because of the opponent's age. Of course, it's Triple G. It's Gennady Golovkin. It would be the third fight. Uh, I think that if Wilder and Fury has taught us anything, that maybe a third fight that not a lot of fans want to see can end up being the best one of, of them all. And that's going to be very hard to top considering uh, the two's 24 rounds that they have already given us. He's uh, Triple G's 40 years old. Uh, he's fighting coming up here in December against Murata, a fight that he should win. But we have to keep in mind that uh, Golovkin is 40 years old. We've seen a precipitous drop in his defense, most notably. Power uh, is still a- above average. Do you want to see Golovkin next? Did you hear any rumblings about Golovkin being next? I'm sure that Eddie Hearn would love Golovkin being next. I think it's a polarizing topic right now because this is the one where you can't really wait. You know, he's 40 years old, and I think it's now or never. I agree with that aspect of it for sure. Uh, The funny thing is it's the first Canelo fight that I've covered in a long time, and I've covered pretty much everything for a long time, where I don't know if I even heard Triple G's name mentioned uh, very much at all in any of the questions at the interviews or, or him bringing it up or, you know, in any, even fans, you know, asking about things on social media and this and that. Um, I don't think there's a great movement for it. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't think Canelo was interested in giving him another chance. He fought him 24 rounds. He believes he won the the second fight clean, uh, even though many people at myself included at ringside that night had it a draw. Uh, But the bottom line is, uh, and this is something that Mike Tyson said to me many years ago, the most disrespectful thing you can do as a boxer is not give the other guy the payday. And I don't think Canelo Alvarez has any interest in giving Triple G the payday because he can make maybe not as much money to fight Golovkin as he can to fight some other guys. But I think that he'd rather uh, twist the knife, if you know what I mean, and not give him the payday and take on other guys. That's so, a good point. That's a good point because you know, I think that this would be the case for this fight. If you're yeah. Canelo, it's clear. I mean, it's it's the it's the it's the money. Uh, Hearn can go to Canelo and say, listen, these are this is what you can make fighting the other options out there. And this is what you can make fighting Golovkin. And I'm sure the Golovkin envelope is going to be a little bit fatter, but does Canelo really care at this point? I don't, I mean, you know, listen, they always want the money, but I don't think it's that much different that it's going to make him change his mind. But here's the other thing about that is that, you know, he just doesn't have the desire to fight the guy again. And I don't, it's not like he's ducking him. I think anybody at this stage of the game would make Canelo Alvarez a definitive favorite against uh, the Triple G that we have seen over the last, you know, couple of years where he has fought uh, very sporadically and frankly not looked that good even in victories. Although I have to say, I did uh, my own research on the, on the uh, issue, if you will. I posted a poll on Twitter 
And I said, who would you like to see Triple G fight next? And I don't know, it was like, a, I put it up for like 14 hours or something like that. And my choices were Charlo, Benavides, Triple G. And um, who was the fourth one I put up there? Was it uh, uh, was uh, It was Better BF. Better BF. So of, the, of those four opponents, I was actually rather surprised how tightly packed they were. Triple G ended up winning that poll. I believe he got something. It was at about 13,000 votes. Well, and he had 29%. And then second was Benavides. That was a couple of points less than that. Charlo was maybe a pointer less than that. And better be was fourth with about 15%. Well, it's most, but fans the Charlo... know, most fans know triple G. I mean, you have a lot of followers, Dan. So the casual fan is going to click triple G. I mean, it has, it's the, has the, but most that's, that's the reason appeal. why it's so, but that's why I was so surprised because Golovkin yeah. is so much more well-known. The fact that Benavides that's and good. Charlo, not yeah. nearly as well-known were not even three or four points behind them. Yeah. That, that said to me, that he can go any route and still make a big fight and uh, provide interesting fights to those fans. I think that it shows you the breadth of opponents that he has. And by the way, I didn't, you know, Twitter only lets you put four choices. Mm -hmm. I didn't include Joe Smith. I didn't include Anthony Durrell. I didn't include uh, Dimitri Bivol. I mean, other names that, that pop up. Yeah. Let's get into those other names. Um, so those are the, the three that I think are, would be, uh, you know, if you had to put odds on it, it would be Triple G, Charlo, or uh, Benavidez. Of course, there's that jump up to 175, and fans are just clamoring for this to see Canelo make more history. Obviously, it's better BF and it's Bivol. And I put out a tweet this past uh, weekend, and I, I think, honestly, that Bivol might be a tougher fight than better BF because he can move. He has a, enough power to keep Canelo honest, and obviously better BF is just is a devastating puncher, but those are the two guys uh, at, at 175. It's better be Evan. It's, it's Bavall. Well, if I'm team Canelo and I'm interested in doing either of those fights, 100% I'm going for better BF. Uh, Bivol is a very good fighter who has said he'll even come down to 168. I don't see Canelo being interested in that because it doesn't bring him anything new. He can't win a title. All he can do is defend. So he would probably, if he would, was going to fight him, fight him at 175. Mm -hmm. The problem with Bivol is who's an excellent fighter. He just doesn't have any kind of fan following. None. He has a style that's not bad, but not great. People, he's kind of like leaves you wanting more, I think, a lot of times when he fights. He doesn't have a big personality. In other words, he, there's nothing wrong with him as an opponent. It's just he doesn't really bring that much spice to an event. And he's not the quote-unquote real champion of the division. Well, that's, that's a good so point. If, so at least when, when, when Canelo went up to 175 and he fought Kovalev, he had a belt, even if he wasn't the real champ, but he was by far the biggest name mm -hmm. and had fought all the top guys and he scored a spectacular knockout. So that was interesting to him. So now you look at it like this, like all the things I just said about, about Dimitri Bivol, who I, I'm a fan of, but I also understand, uh, you know, the, the overall picture of how this works. And now you have better BF, who's considered the real champ, has two belts and is a devastating puncher, but fairly straightforward kind of fighter, not going to do anything crazy, fancy, tricky. Um, Hasn't looked great maybe in his last couple of fights. Is a little bit inactive. You know, he's been on the floor before uh, against regular fighters like Callum Johnson who had him real in real trouble when they had their fight a couple of years ago. Um, he has to get through Marcus Brown in a fight that's coming up in a few weeks. Um, but if he was going to go to light, light heavyweight, I would hope that he would look at at, a, at the fight against the better BF. That's yeah. a very exciting fight. He's the, again, he's the, he'll be considered the boogeyman, bigger guy, strong, mm -hmm. murderous puncher. Um, two titles at stake. Uh, I think that would, that would interest Canelo Alvarez, but all that said, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was going to bet, 
He's staying with PBC and he's fighting either Charlo or Benavides. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be Charlo for some weird reason. I think it's going to be Charlo. I agree. Then. And then Benavides, you know, you know, give him, you know, the, the easier of the two options, build up better uh, Benavides, see how he looks uh, this weekend over on Showtime. That's the great part about this all too, is that we're going to see all these guys besides Charlo and Bivol. Bivol one fight since 2019, you know, don't really know much about it. Wouldn't offer like the monetary. It wouldn't be there. The upside for Canelo, and if he beats Better Bev, that's you're right. That's like the guy. Every division is four champions for every division, as we know. But we can go and identify. No, no, each... no. In in the super middleweight division, there's only one champion. Oh, of course. But you know, what and I in mean? the junior welterweight division, there's only one champion. <laughs> there's a lot of there's been three undisputed uh, fights this this year. It's been a great year. But you know what I mean. Now you can go through every weight class and identify the champion. Brian Kenny loves to do this. The mm-hmm. champion, and then 175. It, it's it's better to be up. So if you can go up there, beat him. Uh, that's it. But I think it's going to be Charlo, and I think it, then I think it's going to be Benavides. But my point being is, we'll be able to see how Benavides looks. Uh, this weekend, we're going to see how Triple G looks against Barada. We're going to see how Better BF looks uh, against uh, Marcus Brown. Wish Charlo uh, would fight. I'll throw one other one in there. I mean, I mean, I know we're not talking about that specifically, but again, from an entertainment point of view, give me Joe Smith against Canelo Alvarez before That's you give me people. That's a fun fight. Yeah, hardworking Joe. Joe, the uh, yeah. my guy from Long Island who climbs up trees. He is. Uh, you know, battling a very severe case of COVID, but he's supposed to come back. He was him and Bitterbev was supposed to be the can't miss action supposed fight at one seventy five, and they, you know, what happened with Danny Jacobs trying to get into the into the fold to fight to try to pick off Joe Smith. All these fighters look at Joe Smith and, and think that he, you know, he, I can come up there and win a title uh, for my legacy. I know Danny Jacobs is looking to do that, but that, man, Joe Smith hits hard. I mean, he definitely hits. He might not have. He might not have the you know the acumen of some of these guys, the amateur experience. But Joe Smith hits like a ton of bricks. Uh, all these are good opponents. This is a good time for boxing. Like I said, there's been three undisputed fights this year. There's been eight unification bouts this year. We still have all of November, all of December. Boxing is in a very good spot right now. Dan Rayfield, I always love when you come on the show. We trade, we go back and forth. It's always a, a good time. So good verbal sparring. Uh, Dan, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you soon. Appreciate it, Dan. And we usually agree on everything most of the time in <laughs> varying degrees. Yes, it's good back and forth. It's good for the fan. We don't always have to disagree just to disagree. We can always give fans what, exactly what they want, and that's uh, a good fight uh, for Canelo Alvarez and, and, and good fights in total. Thanks a lot, Dan. All right, you bet. Appreciate it. We have... David Benavides here with us right now, former two-time WBC super middleweight champion. He fights this Saturday on Showtime. Kyron Davis is the opponent. Now, David, uh, this is now another camp where things didn't exactly go as planned, something out of your control, another extended camp. How hard is it for you to, or have you gotten used to it at this point, like dealing with this new normal that we're in with extended camps? Um. You know, it, it, it is what it is, bro. At the end of the day, you just got to – sometimes you just got to go through stuff like this. I mean, I've been boxing for a long time. I've been professional for a long time. This is my eighth year professional. So, I mean, stuff happens here every now and then. So, I mean, uh, this thing uh, – this time it, it kind of happened back-to-back, you know, with me getting COVID and then with Dusko coming out positive for steroids. 
but the 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 good thing is that we're still fighting. You know, um, the fans. You know, the the date is not pushed back again, and we're able to schedule the fight on the same day that it was already scheduled. So, I mean, we're able to salvage it. You know, after Uskutaki came out dirty, but um, everything is good, man. Everything remains the same. You know, camp is already done. You know, I work extremely hard for this uh, for this fight, and I'm just ready to perform on Saturday. Uh, David, uh, you talk about being a, a pro for eight years, you know, and I was looking up. I, I, first of all, that's insane to me that you've been a pro for eight years and you've packed a lot into those eight years, you know, reaching the pinnacle twice, becoming a world champion, uh, stuff outside of the ring uh, that kind of put your uh, career on pause and now getting back into the flow. All the things that I just brought up, does that make, does that feel like that make you not only a better fighter, but like a better man? Yeah, I believe it does. I believe that, you know, the best teacher in life is experience. And everything I've been through has led me to this moment right here. I mean, the good thing is that I've had my little mishaps outside the ring, but inside the ring, I remain the same person with the same dedication that I've had since I was three years old. You know, I've worked extremely hard my whole life. And the love I have for boxing is just a, it's just a passion on a whole different level. And I don't think anything's ever going to get in the way in that. And um, that's why I work so hard, man. And um, I always perform how I'm supposed to perform because when it comes to work, uh, the time that comes to work, I don't play around. You know, I put 110% into all my training camps and, um, yeah, man. Were you shocked to hear that from Uskateki? I mean, he wasn't just on just like, uh, you know, diuretic or this, that, he was on like Jarrell big baby levels of, of, of juice. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes Good, feel good about myself that these these dudes are that scared of me that they're willing to <laughs> go to that level of uh, that extent of taking um, EPLs when he knew we got tested by Vada. We got tested three times prior. I mean, uh, pr- three times before leading up to that. So, I mean, he tried to really be really sneaky, but I don't think it would have even made a difference. I think I would have still knocked him out anyways. Um, I just think I'm, all, I'm on a whole different level. You know, if you wouldn't have got caught, it probably would have been a better fight because he would have needed that little extra push from the, mm-hmm. the EPOs, but I would have still beat him. Yeah, Kyron Davis steps in, uh, you know, I think could be potentially be a better fight. You know, a guy that fought to a draw with, with Darrell. Darrell looked pretty good uh, this past weekend. But as you know, with us at CompuBox, we crunch the data. We look at your, your punch stats. And this is incredible, man. I don't know if you even know this, but you lead all super middleweights in punches thrown per round, 69. Nice. You lead all punch with punches landed per round 25 power landed and thrown jabs landed and thrown. So you're pretty much the, the consensus leader when it comes to uh, 168 in just offense. I mean, that is impressive. Yeah. And I know that, man. And um, if I was looking at my last four fights, we really, you know, became more accurate this mm-hmm. past couple of years. And the, my last three fights have landed at over 50%, a little bit under or yeah. right either right at 50 or, or, or 49. And I'm a power puncher, you know what I mean? I don't think, and I think people really don't understand and people don't realize that that's why I'm so effective in the ring because I, you know, I'm, I'm not just throwing just to throw, you know, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly how to set it up too. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this for a long, long time, man. And um, this is just the way I love to fight. You know, you set up with the jab, throw combinations upstairs and you go down to the body, you know, it's the same recipe as works for every fighter I've been in. So we're going to continue doing the same thing to everybody yeah. else. It's impressive, really impressive. And what's even more impressive to me is over your last eight fights, your defense has improved big time. You know, you're down. Opponents are only hitting you 23% of the time. That's a stark difference to the previous five before that. You make a big, big time 
improvements defensively. Is that something that you've been working on a lot? Yeah, um, I definitely been working on defense a lot because you know this this level I'm at right now is a whole different level than what I was four years ago. You know, um, dudes are hitting harder. They have way more experience, and most well, not most of them. All of them are older than me, so they all kind of have that man strength over me. <laughs> not in the sense meaning that they're more powerful than me, but they're already at their peak of their power. Yeah. I still haven't reached my peak of my power yet, so you know I gotta be. I can't just be all offense. I have to be all defense. But it does make me feel good, you know, just. Yeah, because I know I know I'm good at defense and I I know how good my offense is, but a lot of people I feel kind of feel like they down talk my defense. They everybody thinks I just go in there and get hit all these shots, but I really yeah. don't. I mean, if, if you look at my fights, I'm not really beat up after. I don't really have marks on my face, but I mean, um, that's fine as long as people think I don't have defense. You know, by the time I get in there, they're gonna, they're gonna know it's a completely different story by the time by the time it's too late. Yeah, it's the one thing where, you know, obviously the big discussion now is is Canelo Alvarez. And, and I would say there's a consensus growing that from the fans that they want to see you fight him next. And and I'll read some detractors say, oh, man, Benavides, he, he gets hit too much. You know, he's just going to be standing there in front of Canelo. But if you take a look at the numbers, you can't deny that over the last uh, eight fights, there's been a, a steady improvement. So let's get to the big question. Let's get to you're going to be asked about this all week. I think you're in a really good spot fighting after Canelo. Like I said, I think there's a growing consensus that you should be the next guy for him. What did you make of the fight? What did you first? Let's start with Plant. <laughs> what did you make of Plant's performance? I thought it was a good performance, you know, honestly, to be honest with you. Um, he did a little bit better than I thought he was going to do. But like I said, time and time again, the people that are going to have a better chance with Canelo are the ones that stay in front of him, earn his respect, and are willing to stand their ground. You have to have power to back Canelo up, you know, and that's what Caleb Plant doesn't have. I mean, he had all the other tools, but the power is just something he doesn't have. So that's why you've seen Canelo walking him down, you know, staying pressing to the body, staying pressing to the, you know, to the big – um the big haymakers yeah you know because um he didn't respect caleb uh, plant's power but i think what was set what did uh caleb plant good and what was in his favor is his counter shots he was doing some pretty good counter shots and you had to catch canelo here but um like i said overall performance it was a good it was a great fight i enjoyed it you know i, I was uh, i was really excited watching both the fighters you know have a good fight because at the end of the day i'm a fan of boxing you know Everything aside, you know, I put my differences aside from everybody. I'm a, I'm a fan of boxing at the, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But Canelo, too, man, he's a great fighter. Like I said, he's a shark in those late rounds, and he knows exactly how to work. But, um, like, what it is to me and him, I feel like that's the fight that everybody wants to see for a reason. You know, I thought we kind of do the same thing, me and Canelo. We, you know, start with combinations, and we go down the body. You know, the differences between me and everybody else is fought. I'm probably the hardest hit of hardest, you know, hidden fighter that he's fought that he's probably gonna potentially fight since Golovkin. You know, and I used to work with Golovkin too, you know. So I know firsthand I could I could give the I, I could give as much power as Golovkin, you know, because I was having some great sparring sessions with Golovkin. So that's why I feel like a lot of people are excited for that fight because first of all, there's nobody else for Canelo to fight. <laughs> and uh second of all, um, I think they just want to see they want uh, the fans want to believe that there's somebody to beat Canelo. You know, there's a there's always going to be that that dancing partner that that great fighter always needs, and I I believe I'm it. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of made your own case that I've been saying for a while is you need power and you need volume to disrupt Canelo. And as I just said, throwing 70 punches around, landing 25, and for the eye test, we can see 
the type of power you have, the defense. I mean, not only that, um, you're a former two-time champion. I mean, if you take a look at some of the other other options at 168, if he wants to stay there, you know, Charlo hasn't even fought at, at 168. He just cleared out the entire division, uh, so there isn't any other champion that he can fight. I'm confused as to why, if there's no anyone out there that wouldn't want to see you and him in the in the ring. Yeah, and exactly that's why. Like I've been saying with Charlo too. Like if he wants to get that fight in, like. Why not fight me? You know, the WBC has been very comfortable giving interim titles out in the past. Why not make me and Charlo an interim title fight? And then we both get uh, the winner gets Canelo. I mean, wow. it only makes sense to me. I don't make I don't think it makes sense that Charlo comes up, skips everybody in the line and fights Canelo. You know, what I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. But um, I mean, I guess that's how it works sometimes. But like for me. I don't mind fighting him now, later, two years. You know, I'm going to be extremely ready. Um, I turn 25 next month. My birthday is in December 17th. So um, I got eight years professional. I think I got another 10 years left to me. So I'm not going nowhere. Yeah, that's funny with, with Charlo. The fact that he hasn't ever fought at, at 168. And we're getting to the point now where there isn't really like a man, there isn't a mandatory. So Canelo's going to potentially, or he is, he's going to choose who, who, who he wants to, to fight next. And, Let's just say that he does choose to go the 175 route or he, he fights someone else other than you or, or Charlo. You pretty much said that you're comfortable fighting Charlo to potentially earn a spot at Canelo, which seems like no other fighters really want to do. They're waiting for that lottery ticket to be called. They're waiting for their name to be called. You're saying that you're willing to step in there with Charlo to get a shot at Canelo. Yeah, definitely. But before I even... I've been talking about that. So you said there's no mandatory. I was originally supposed to be the mandatory. My yeah. last fight was the WBC title eliminator. Mm -hmm. And this fight was going to be the WBC plus IBF title eliminator. But I, they didn't. It's not a title eliminator no more. So, I mean, I should have been the next one fighting Canelo. But like I said, things happen. Um, and then also, too, the reason why I wanted to fight Charlo. And not even talking about Canelo. Canelo's not even a mix. You know, it was between me and Charlo. You know, we had a little back and forth going my last fight. Um, mm -hmm. Social media, all that, you know, like a little uh, trash talking between both teams and stuff. So, I mean, I feel like, too, I don't want to be that guy that's just waiting for Canelo. You know what I mean? I, I kind of want to carve my own path. And if a fight with Canelo is not available, then the fight with Canelo is not available. I didn't, you know, start boxing when I was a little kid just to say, oh, I want to fight Canelo when I get older, <laughs> you know? Yeah, my... Uh, my job has always been being world champion, you know, carve my own way and be my own fighter. You know, if, if Canelo, if I get a chance with Canelo, then it happens. If I don't, then I don't. I mean, I'm not going to just not fight any other great fighter just because I'm trying to cash a paycheck in or something like that. You know, my job is to be the best boxer I could be and fight the best available opposition. There's a fight. I mean, I, I get criticized a lot because a lot of people say that I don't fight um the best fighters, the top level fighters. I'm trying to fight. It's not my fault. You know, it's just that nobody wants to fight me. You know, I feel like what these fighters now, they're a little bit too spoiled now. They want too much money to, you know, take big risk. Everybody wants the big money, but nobody wants to take the risk unless it's with Canelo. You know what I mean? But I feel like if you want, you want the bigger prize, you gotta, you know, you gotta take on a bigger threat and you gotta earn that opportunity. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm if it's not Canelo that's in there, you know, we could get Charlo, we could get Berlanga, we could get anybody. You know, I'm, I'm willing to fight. I'm a yeah. fighter at the end of the day, so I'm willing to fight whoever there is to fight.
that's great. That's that's music to fans' ears. That's just very refreshing to hear because we're seeing this. It's not good for the sport. It's not good for fighters' development. Listen, I can't fault Plant for what he did. He fought in February. He had something that Canelo wanted. That's an IBF belt. That belt represented $10 million for Plant. And But, man, he, he it showed in the ring. It, the pedigree, it, it just showed the difference in skill. Uh, the fact that Plant, you know, his previous three fights were not against a, a murderer's row. And you saw it in the ring where he just wasn't on the same stress. I believe iron sharpens iron. And it seems like you believe the same thing. It's like, if you fought a Charlo, yes, he's a good fighter. And he, even though he hasn't fought at 168, not only would you increase, it's a big payday for you and it increases your standing to fight Canelo, but it makes you a better fighter. And that's important. That's, that's what you need to beat Canelo. Yeah, that's exactly my point. And I feel like the better fighters I get into, or I, I get fights with, and the more experience I get, that's going to give me a bigger chance to beat Canelo. You know, I feel like that's what a lot of people don't understand. I mean, you got to, you're not just going to beat Canelo. I mean, if, if I believe I could beat Canelo now, but I would have a better chance if I have more experience with these better fighters, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I feel like Plant would have had a little bit better chance, too, if he would have got in there with some tougher opponents. Since he fought Uskateki, his level of opposition has been really, really weak. He fought, um, was it An Andy Lee or is it Mike Lee? He fought Mike Lee. He fought Feigen Boots and he fought and Truax. He fought, fought, yeah, and Truax. And to be honest, man, those some really weak competition. Um, he had a chance. I mean, he had a chance to fight me too. We fought, we, I think we fought a month apart in our last fight. You know what I mean? So, you know, I mean, I think, and that's, but that's the thing too. People, they don't, they don't want to hurt their chance of cashing out a check like that. Especially, I think these fighters are a little bit older. Um, Plan, I don't think he's that old. Is he 29, something like that? Yeah, he's not 30 but yet. I feel like, yeah, I feel like in their head, they're kind of close to the, the end of the, the end of their career too. Cause they're already thinking about, you know, Plant. And I'm sure he's never going to make $12 million, $12 million <laughs> like that again. So, no. I mean, if you think about that, it's probably thinking like, oh, I took a loss, you know, $12 million, and I'll probably just call this the end. I'm not saying he's going to retire, but, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad end, you know, $12 million. Oh, it's you know? great. So, no, it's right. I've been saying so, this. I've been saying it for months, man. It's like you guys put in so much work. So, I mean, this is the toughest sport uh, in the world. So, I've, I'm not going to fault the guy for, you know, getting reaching the pinnacle and – you know, making 10 million, whatever he does next, whatever. I mean, there's enough to answer to anyone besides his family, his team uh, and, and all that. But I do think if you want to be remembered and try to beat Canelo, because everyone wants to beat him. He's the Mayweather of this era. We're all trying to figure out what's the best style to beat him, who can do it. I think, honestly, the best fight, the best style, the best chance to beat him is with you. So May, Cinco de Mayo, two Mexicans stepping in the ring. I, I don't see a better option out there. Yeah, man, and that's why I'm very excited. Even after this fight, you know, I've been gone from home for about uh, two and a half months. I'm going to just take a week off, and then I'm going to go back uh, straight back into the gym. You know, I feel like I, this is the time. Even when I don't have any, any fights lined up after this fight, I have to work the hardest because I've ever worked in my life because these big fights are on the horizon. Yeah. It don't matter against two, but I feel like there's a lot of good opposition out there, so I really got to I really gotta focus myself more than R.E.M. and just try to go to the next level. You got your son in the gym yet? I know you started young. Is this is your son throwing hands? Uh, not, <laughs> not yet, but uh, every time I FaceTime my girlfriend, he's watching my fights. That's amazing, <laughs> man. My girlfriend, yeah, he gets mad that every time um, they take me off the fight, that he just wants to he just wants to watch boxing all day. So 
I think he already yeah. has blood. He's already uh, leaning towards uh, <laughs> He's got no choice. I mean, you started when you were super young. You got your brother fighting on this card. Benavidez family. They have no. They're they're fighters in every sense of the word. That's awesome, man. Uh, looking forward to you fight this this uh, weekend. Looking forward to see uh, what's next for you. You get into the prime of, of your career, and, and I think fans will be happy to hear the words that you just put out there about you know earning the shot and fighting all comers with a really good fun style. David Benavidez, thanks for the time. Thank you, brother.